Welcome, everybody, to Season 1, Episode 2 of the Scary Savannah and Beyond Podcast. I am your host, Brett, and as always, with me is my lovely wife, Crystal. Hello, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great, and I hope you are, too. I am, except that we, our daughter should have won the jackpot at Bingo tonight, but she missed a number. Well, and she didn't, lost $500. She didn't miss a number. She just didn't pay attention to a number. That's she had saying. the number. She didn't mark the number. That she, she had got. the number for at least three or four turns, apparently, that would have won her 500 bucks. And instead, she tried to call it when someone else had called it and then split it two ways. And the bingo caller shut her out and didn't let her have it. But that's her own fault for not paying attention. But other so, than that, we're great. Yeah, other than that, we're great. So... We are going to be going to Vegas here uh, probably right before this episode airs. We're actually going to be in Vegas, and we thought while we were there that it would be good to do a little story about Vegas. But first of all, just want to let you guys know, you can give us a call. You want to give us a call, leave us a voicemail, have any story ideas, anything you'd like to say about the podcast. Our phone number is 912-406-406. 2899. Once again, that is 912-406-2899. You can find us online at www.scarysavannahandbeyond.com. And again, if that's too much typing, www.scarysavannah.net. We're also on social media. If you look up the username at Scary Savannah on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So this week, Crystal's going to be telling you about some true crime. We are, of course, huge fans of the paranormal and true crime, but we do both also love to travel, right? Yes. One of our favorite places is Las Vegas. That's because uh, we're big spenders as far as in the world of uh, bingo is concerned. We spend 20 25 $27 on a bingo card. So uh, we think that makes us wells as far as I think that's the terminology in, uh, in Vegas. Um, we will be there when this episode airs, hopefully winning large amounts of money. So we thought that uh, this week we would bring you a story that is a true crime with a touch of the paranormal. It is the murder of casino heir Ted Binion. Ooh. Have you heard of this story? I have not heard of this story at all. I'm very excited. Okay, well, we have to start in the beginning with Ted's father, Benny Binion. Oh, that sounds like a mobster. Please tell me. Oh, for sure. Benny Binion was a well known gangster in Dallas, Texas in the 1930s and 40s. He was nicknamed the Cowboy and was known for wearing a large cowboy hat. But it's Texas, so I imagine most men wore cowboy hats. I mean, I wear a cowboy hat and we're in Georgia, but uh, usually just laugh at me when I do that. So. I would be wearing cowboy boots if I could find them. Yeah, she lost an entire pair of cowboy boots. She's hiding them from the dog, and it turns out yes, I she was hid so them so well. On not letting coffee eat them this week, and I was going to take them to Vegas to wear to Binion's, but... I can't find them. Totally gone. Well, Benny, he lived by a motto, and it was, do your enemies before they do you. (laughs) (laughs) It seems like a good rule to live by. If you're a mobster, I'm sure it is. So you can imagine he was not above using whatever means necessary to maintain his control. But when new officials were elected in Dallas with an anti-corruption campaign, Benny decided it was time to pull up stakes and start over again. 
Businessman. So, businessman. Where do you think he decided to go? I'm going to take a wild shot at this and think uh, maybe Vegas. Yes. He thought Vegas would be the perfect location to present himself as a legitimate businessman. I bet. So... In 1946, he loaded two suitcases full of cash and set out for Vegas with his wife and five children. Wow, that's ex- almost exactly parallels what we're doing, loading up two suitcases full of cash, <laughs> right? Mm, no. We only have four kids, though, so I guess one suitcase we, full of cash would do it. We're not that high rollers. Not exactly. So, now in Vegas, Benny opens the famous Horseshoe Casino with the Hotel Apache located above it. Take note of the Hotel Apache because that's where, at the end... A little bit of paranormal will come back in. It was located on Fremont Street in Vegas and is still there today. Is that in Old Vegas? Vegas. And that's the exciting Vegas, right? Yes. Some of our friends call it Dirty Vegas, in fact. I'm not sure. Well, actually, I'm positively sure (laughs) why, because I cannot believe the amount of uh, people handing out obscene business cards, if you know what I mean, in that area. Yeah. It's one of my favorite casinos. I love the retro old school vibe. That whole old Vegas area has a different vibe from the the main strip. And we've only been there one time. We're going to go back on this trip. But it's um, it definitely feels like a slightly different world. It, it reminds me more of where we live, which is... Uh, Actually, Island. outside of Savannah and Tybee Island, which yes. is um, a little bit different than Savannah. A little bit rougher around the edges, maybe, in some yeah. ways. But it's it's... We love it. So when you're in Old Vegas, it really feels like the Rat Pack could just walk by at any minute. And I think they actually did a few times when we were there. I'm Probably not sure not if it the was the original Rat, Rat Pack. pack. No. I'm pretty sure I saw Sammy Davis Jr. I think Jr. they're all dead. I'm pretty sure I saw Sammy Davis Jr. and his glass eye. I'm pretty sure. That doesn't mean dead. he wasn't there. That's the whole point of the show. Anyway, Benny is very successful in Vegas and is beloved by staff and patrons who affectionately refer to him as Old Man Binion. Old Man Binion. So now, now he's not the cowboy. Now he's Old Man Binion. I guess he's moved up in the world. He appears to be a legitimate businessman adopting a new motto. Okay, and this is his new motto. Okay. Treat them right, show them a good time, and the rest will take care of itself. That could literally be, that's probably printed on the business cards of that casino. I'm going to well, look at the a, desk when we go there and see if I can find a business card. It was a promotional poster in the 1950s. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. But um, he's actually still practicing his old ways. Gangster ways? Gangster ways. He's still mafioso. He is, but it's shock. on the down low. Oh, well, that makes it okay. So he allegedly gave large loans to police without any expectation of repayment in exchange for them to look the other way at his nefarious activities. Oh, my. I can't believe that might be the case. You can just imagine what those may be. I've I've seen movies. So let's fast forward to the 1960s. Benny is running what appears to be a successful business, but what usually catches up with the mob is taxes, and Benny is no exception. That's how they got your boy Capone, isn't it? It is. After being convicted of tax evasion, he's no longer allowed to have a gaming license. And in Vegas, that's kind of a problem. I would say it would be a big issue because nobody's going for just the buffets. Mm, so what do you think he did? I'm thinking he probably murdered some people, but I'm just going to that's probably jumping ahead. Yeah, let's uh, let's scale back a little. No, he <laughs> just puts the casino into the names of his two sons, Jack and Lonnie, who is known as Ted and is his favorite son. They are 23 and 21 at this time. Okay. 
So although the casino is on paper theirs, everyone knows Old Man Binion is still in charge of the day-to-day operation. With a name like Old Man Binion. He just has to be. He's the man. Jack is titled the president of the casino, and Ted is the casino manager, a job he really enjoyed. He spent most of his time on the floor enjoying the company of young women and, of course, alcohol. Of course, alcohol. Of course. Yeah. So what else is there? They go together. So things seem to be going great for the Binion family in Vegas, but let's switch gears for a moment. Okay, where are you going? It's 1967, and a man named Marvin Shoemate was a recent transplant to Las Vegas. He has previously run a pool hall in Oklahoma City, but has fled to avoid dozens of charges, mostly for liquor and betting violations. Oh man, that's the life, isn't it? It is. Ted Binion, at this point, is 24 years old. What year is it? It is 1967. Okay, you already said that. As I had said. Yeah, I was busy looking at the dog. She's laying in the forest snoring. I'm sorry. Marvin Shumay is 43 with a wife and kids, and they're living in a working-class neighborhood. He's found work as a cab driver, and he's vowed to put his life on the straight and narrow. But do you think that's going to happen? I'm thinking he's probably going to be criminalizing again shortly. He finds himself most nights at a bar named Pappy's. Not far from the Las Vegas You don't Vegas even have to say anything else. I can already see where this is going. Not far from the Las Vegas Strip. Of course not. He founds himself there frequently, and he soon strikes up a conversation with members of Benny Binion's, let's say, enforcers. Ooh, that sounds like a, uh, a gentle group. Yeah. One of these men was Tom Hanley. He was the head of the local gaming employee union and Benny Binion's go-to hitman. Okay, so you want to be on the good side of Mr. Tom. Yes. It appears Shoemate got mixed up with these men and did small jobs for extra money. Now, what these jobs are, you can imagine. Uh, Probably collecting on debts. Yes, probably something simple like that. Yeah. It seems like he'd be satisfied with this, but no, he wanted more. He had a 22-year-old son named Dennis, and Dennis became friends with then-24-year-old Ted Binion. Remember... Benny's favorite son. Benny's Ted. favorite son. Yes. And Marvin decided to use his son, Dennis, to learn the patterns and specific whereabouts of Ted Binion, and he came up with a brilliant plan. Okay. I'm thinking that you're being facetious here. Yeah. Well, to him, it was brilliant. He's going to kidnap Ted Binion and demand a ransom and become a very rich man. Okay. I'm thinking that this probably didn't go well for him, or we wouldn't be talking about this yeah. on our show. He did what any smart criminal would do and enlisted the help of his son as well as other criminals he knew. One of these men was a small-time crook named Bill Wade. He was on board with the plan until Marvin came to him and explained that the only way this would be successful is if they murdered Ted Binion after they received the ransom. Now that is cold-blooded gangster action right there, I'm telling you. Yeah. So, Bill Wade was a thief and all-around bad guy, but he was no murderer so he decided in his best interest and the best course of action was to let Benny Binion know about the kidnapping plot. So Bill Wade went to a police officer who he knew was suspected to be in Benny Binion's pocket and let him know about the plot and named the man behind the plot, Marvin Shoemate. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know where this is going, but I bet our buddy Bill ends up dead. I'm just guessing. Just guessing. Bill is the one who turns Marvin in. That's why I'm saying he's going to end up dead. Actually, we'll find out. A few days later, the police officer delivered $500, which in today's money is about $3,750, to Wade as a thank you from Benny Binion. 
he was assured that this whole kidnapping plot would be handled. <laughs> It'd be handled. I'm sure that that worked out in the most appropriate way for all parties involved. Well, it did. So not long after that, Bill Wade, the informant, was actually given a phone call and told, get out of town. You have 24 hours. I get a phone call from a random number, and I know I've been involved with the mafia. I'm just going to move to Norway. So it's what do you happening. think he did? He did just that. Okay. He was sent some money, and he got out of town. Smart man. Meanwhile. Meanwhile, back December, at the ranch. On December 20th. We're talking Vegas. I got to go Sammy Davis Jr. Meanwhile, back at the ranch. So, on December 2nd, 1967, Marvin was once again at Pappy's Bar after work when Tom Hanley, remember him? Benny's go-to hitman. Exactly. He showed up, and they were kind of friends, and they had worked together before. So, he offered Marvin a quick job with a nice payout. Marvin went along with him to a waiting car, knowing okay, nothing. I, I'm already saying this <laughs> knowing is not nothing ending well for him. Knowing nothing of Bill Wade's betrayal. Yeah. He got in the car with Hanley and two others, and they drove out to the desert. Look, first of all, you never, ever go to a secondary location. Never. Never. I don't care never. if you're the victim or the victee. You never go to the secondary location. Well, he wasn't so smart. Apparently. So, you know, at some point, it had to dawn on him as they're driving out into the desert that this was not the job his, he had expected. Now, I don't know if any of our listeners have ever actually been in a desert before. Now, hopefully, this you guys are listening to this all across the country. We're just southeastern hicks down here. All we know are mountains, swamps, and beaches. But the first time we went to Vegas, which was uh, several months ago, we actually drove to the Grand Canyon. So that was our first experience with being in a desert. So when we left the city of Vegas and we're driving to the Grand Canyon, which, by the way, to go to the south rim of the Grand Canyon from Vegas. Five hours. It feels like 500. Don't do it. Yes. Fly in a helicopter. Yes. Just spend the multi-thousand dollars to fly in the helicopter. Let's because. Go. But I will say this. I was not expecting what a desert actually looks like. It was literally a Wile E. Coyote cartoon come to life. It shocked me. So if I'm in a car in Vegas, which is the city, and they're driving me out to this desert area, I'm thinking one of two things. One, I'm about to take a bullet to the head. Or two, I'm about to take a bullet to the head. Well, he did. But first, he actually took a shotgun Three feet from his chest. Ooh, well, that would be enough to tear you apart. Yes. So one of the other men then shot Shoemate a second time behind the ear with a thirty-eight revolver just to make sure so that Benny Binion was satisfied. Did he die? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so that's how Benny Binion deals with those who try to mess with his family. So Ted managed to avoid a murder plot this time. But let's fast forward to the 1990s. The crazy 90s. Is grunge music going to be involved here? I wish. Okay. I'm sure he was a big Nirvana fan. Who wasn't? Probably a lot of flannel. I didn't see any flannel it's in Vegas, Seattle. but maybe back it's in the not 90s. Seattle. It's closer to Seattle than it is. we are. So. so, old man Binion had died in 1989, and now Ted finds himself addicted to black tar heroin. As you do. Which is a very bad thing. I looked this up, and apparently, have you ever heard the term... Chase the dragon. I have heard that term. I have heard that term. And I looked it up, and it is actually inhaling this black tar heroin, which is very 
it dangerous. sounds nasty. I mean, black tar just sounds like it would not be yeah. something you want to put into your body. You want to get involved with. Okay. All right. So he's going pretty hardcore here. Hardcore he drug. He's still. Use. He's living the playboy life. Yeah. He's suspected of being associated with the mob. Can't imagine why. He had been previously arrested for drug trafficking. He's living extravagantly. And it got to the point where his gaming license was suspended and he was forced to undergo regular drug testing. So his idea was to shave all the body hair off of him to avoid a hair test that would allow them to measure drug usage. <laughs> Seems extreme. No, not at all. It's like, that's not, that's not at all suspicious. And at this point, he's met a woman named Sandy Murphy, who he met while he, she was working at a topless bar named Cheetah's. Classy establishment, I'm sure. Absolutely. This has caused his wife and children to move out of the home and relocate. So now he's living at his house with um, Sandy Murphy. And things are not going to go well for Ted. At one point, he is completely banned from even entering the casino that his family owns. That sounds a lot like a bar here on Tybee that we go to. There's a, a bar we love to go watch college football games at. We love the guy that does this place. And uh, he uh, will put on events for people. He has a lot of dogs games. And um, one time we were there and he's like, they were having a, uh, was it a Christmas festival? What, what was it that we were at where this happened? Was it New Year's? Oh, yeah. It was some sort of event. And he's like, what year did I get arrested and thrown out of what my was the own date? Yeah, what was the date I was arrested and thrown out of my own bar from my ex-wife? And the funniest the part was, is Several not that people he knew asked the exact that question. <laughs> it's like six people knew the right answer, and he didn't even know it. And he's yeah. like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. I remember you're that. Right. I remember right. that. <laughs> so um, it turns out in the basement of this casino was Ted's silver collection, housed in a floor-to-ceiling vault inside the Horseshoe Club. When Ted's ties to the family casino were severed, he had to either sell the silver or relocate it to a secure spot. So what do you think he did? He hired a company to build a vault out in the middle of the desert. In the middle of the desert. This is a very Breaking Bad-sounding yes. plot line here. And if any of you who've watched Breaking Bad, you know... This doesn't end well for anyone involved. Right. So the guy he hired was named Rick Tabish, and he was a truck driver slash builder, whatever. So he is the one that built the vault out into the desert and housed all of his silver bullion. So now that he has all of his silver bullion buried in a vault, in the middle of the desert that only he and Rick Tabish know about. Well, what about the people that built the vault? It's him. It's Rick Tabish. Oh, he, he just did it himself. Well, him and his crew, but he's the only other person that has the combination. But his or, crew knows where it is. They do, but they don't know how to get into it. They don't know the combination to the lock. So they're trustworthy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Let's go to 1998. Ted Binion was found dead on a small mattress on the floor of his Las Vegas estate home. Empty pill bottles are found near the body, and it's found that he died of a combination of prescription sedatives, Xanax, and Valium, and also some heroin, which I don't think is his legal. His prescription heroin? No, I don't think that's prescription. The Xanax and the Valium, yes. Mm. The heroin, 
So clearly this man suffered with uh, a diagnosed, uh, some sort of depression or something. Would that be why he would be taking well, Xanax? Well, his girlfriend, Sandy Murphy, claims that he had been extremely depressed because of him losing his license and not being able to enter his casino anymore and live his life the way he wanted. So okay. she claims that he overdosed on purpose. Okay. So it was treated as a probable suicide. Seems legit. Right. His sister, Barbara, had been afflicted with the same kinds of drug problems and had committed suicide in 1977. So they kind of took it as like, maybe this could be true. Maybe he just did did himself in because he couldn't couldn't deal with it. Yeah. So they were kind of like, well, yeah, that makes sense. And they were kind of okay with that. But then later, Las Vegas homicide detectives suspected that the scene had been staged as his body did not show the typical signs of a drug overdose. Okay, this is sounding very mafioso. A staged suicide. Well, Do you think he it was, was actually, a suicide? No, it wasn't a suicide, but he was actually friends with the mob, so why would they kill him? It had well, to do maybe they wanted to get it, their hands on that silver safe he had out in the I'm desert. I'm sure they had more money than he had. So. Oh, well, for sure. But for sure. money's money. I mean, come on. His stomach actually contained heroin, and that's very highly suspect because most people don't ingest heroin that way. They smoke it or they inject it. They don't eat it. No, I can't imagine they would. No. So, six months after his death, Chief Medical Examiner Larry Sims ruled Binion had died of a heroin and Xanax overdose. But then... They reclassified it as a homicide in 1999. Okay, so it wasn't a suicide. It was a homicide, and I'm going to go with the people trying to get the vault in the desert. Well, who do you think that was? It wasn't the mob. I don't know. That's that's who a good question. Who do you question. think would want his money? His 26-year-old his stripper? Or a stripper friend? Stripper, um, his 26-year-old living girlfriend and his business partner that built his vault? Okay. That built his vault. That sounds... Habish. That sounds very plausible. Detectives had suspected that Murphy, his girlfriend, and Tabish had been romantically involved. Uh-huh. So here's where it all comes together. So yes, this is sounding like the plot of every true... And I bet that Binion had suspected Murphy was cheating on him. Exactly. She's 26. He's in his 40s at this point. He's obviously strung out on drugs. He is. And she knows he's got money. And she knows not only does he have money, but he's got money that's not accounted for that's buried in a vault in the middle of the desert that if you can get your hands on, it's not like laundering money out of a casino. It's just money sitting out there for the taking, right? Right. So you don't even have to pay taxes on that. That's what I'm getting it. You don't have to launder it. So the prosecution's idea of this was that Murphy and Tavish had conspired to kill Binion and steal all of his silver. And he had other things in there, but yeah. Oh, really? I'm assuming he had like this really ornate sarcophagus. I hope so. I'm thinking that that's very likely. So basically what they think happened was they drugged him until he was unconscious and then burked him. Have you ever heard of burking? What is burking? I I know what busking is. No. It's a formal, it is a form of manual suffocation. Manual suffocation. Yes, like with your hands. Okay, so. Like you just put your hands right over their face. 
That seems like they'd have to be passed out for that to work. That's what it said. They drugged him till he was unconscious. And then... This is another example of me not paying good attention. Exactly. I just explained that he was unconscious. I'm just doing this for the sake of our audience. I'm just trying (laughs) to get verification. Have you never seen the Teletubbies where for the younger kids, they have to repeat the thing like five times. And I'm telling you, when our kids were little and that would come on... I just wanted to jump out a window. I did learn a lot about toast and friendship, but its repetitiveness about killed me. So anyways, continue. So what happened was they actually caught Rick Tabish out in the desert like one day after Ted Binion's death, and he was actually trying to steal the money one day or so after Ted Binion's death. He so was out he in the desert. Didn't even wait. Didn't even wait. Not didn't even, even at all. Suspicious. A grace period. Nothing. Like he didn't even let the heat die down. Let them think it was a suicide and move on. No, he's out there, day two, trying to get the money out of the vault. Well, I don't know why he would have waited more than twenty four hours. I mean, come on, how could that be suspicious in any way? So this is highly suspicious, and it's like I read that. While the police were investigated in the home, Sandy Murphy's like grabbing up expensive stuff and putting it in her purse and like, like no, no, yeah. I had nothing to do with it. Give me that, give me that candelabra. Yeah, yeah. It's give like, me that Picasso. Like, please just calm down until like the heat dies down. No, they're like on it. They want the stuff. And they want it now. And they don't want to wait. It's my money, and I want it now. Exactly. So eventually, they were both charged with murder and burglary. And this attracted national media attention, and it was actually called the Trial of the Century in really? in Las Vegas. Yeah, Trial of the Century in Las Vegas. And what year was this? Do we know? Nineteen ninety eight. Did Did you know about this at the time? I did. Okay. Know about this, at it's the time. been a while. It has, but I did know about it because I've always been into true crime. Were you watching it when it was on TV? I didn't watch the trial, but I remember hearing about it here and there. Okay. So it attracted national media attention, and after two months, they were both found guilty, but it took 68 hours of deliberation. That is a long time. I, I don't know as nearly as much about these things as you do, but I know that we'll be watching shows like Dateline, and they're like, the jury deliberated for two hours. Yes. And every time they say that, I'm like, oh, you're well, guilty. whoever it is is going to get the chair. Right, you're guilty. You're getting the chair. So 68 hours, you think, hey, I got a shot at this. I might make it off of this rap. Yes. So they probably thought they had a good shot at it. But after 68 hours, they were both found guilty. And Tabish was sentenced to 25 years to life in prison. And Murphy, the girlfriend, received 22 years to life. That just doesn't seem like very much to me. Especially if they had had murdered this guy, which is what they believe has happened. Yes, they murdered him for his money. And and I wonder how many years they actually served. Well, you're going to find out. Okay. Because... In 2003, Nevada's Supreme Court overturned the murder convictions, and they ruled that Judge Joseph Bonaventure aired in deliberation instructions to the jury. Oh, so they got off on a technicality. Technicality. Uh Uh-huh. They found that they should have been tried separately because at the time, Tabish was also being tried for assault and blackmail of another businessman. I don't understand why that would make any difference. Well, it had nothing to do with her. So they were tried together, and she didn't blackmail or assault someone. So basically, basically, she was involved in a case. Right, and so she was convicted 
of something she didn't do. Okay. Well, so that, yeah. it should have only been about Ted Binion. It should have only been about the horrible murder right. she helped commit. But it wasn't. So do you know what happened? I don't have any clue, but I think you're going to enlighten me. She was released for time served. And for time served? Yes. So how long did she This is serve? 2003, and uh, they so just, were tried in 1999. Okay. And so he just a few years. got out in 2010 and is now a free man. He's a free man. So we might meet him when we go to Vegas. Yes, we could run well, into I'm Sandy Murphy. I'm certainly not going to ask him for a Rick job. Tabish. <laughs> I'm certainly not going to ask him for a job. So, um, yeah. But I'm a Boy Scout, so there's no way anyone would ask me to do anything. I can tell you that. Yeah, he did serve a longer sentence from 2003 because he was convicted of the use of a deadly weapon, which carried a sentence of 18 to 60 months. So he did go from 2003 to 2010, but then he was released. But she was released... So he served more time for that than actually murdering somebody. Yes. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Our our criminal justice system just totally makes sense to me. It does. So right now, Sandy Murphy and Rick Tabish are free and walking around. Probably not in Las Vegas. They probably relocated and changed their names if they are smart. So yeah, if you guys listen to our podcast, please give us a call. Uh, Please do not send out your hitmen after us though, because we uh, we respect you totally. (laughs) <laughs> yes we have no judgment here no judgment here i'm just talking about the facts so that is the intriguing case of ted binion it is intriguing attempted kidnapping and his subsequent murder poor ted binion so let's go back to the hotel apache which i had mentioned was above the binion's casino from the beginning. Yeah, the Hotel Apache, which, uh, like she had said, Binion's Casino is in Old Vegas. We're going to be going there, and the hotel's right above the casino floor, correct? Yes, and it's been there since, like, 1931, before Benny Binion ever took over. And it was closed from 2009 because of the housing collapse, and it reopened, actually, in 2019. But it has been said to be haunted for years before and now and we've like seen several different accounts of hauntings it was believed to be people who had worked or stayed in the casino and hotel and some of them had died there yes from what we've seen uh like she said the employees are actually afraid of parts of this building apparently it's a very huge complex they have supposedly been told to get out by these voices others have been um manhandled yeah so people say that like one of one person has said they've been pushed down the stairs another person that works there said that they had been working late at night by themselves and all of a sudden all the computers turned off and all of the pictures fell off the wall at the exact same time. And you could see the dust ring where all the pictures have been hanging for years. Wow. I and they're still there. That. that would be awesome. Uh, some other things they've said, uh, some rooms in this hotel make uh, people uneasy. Like, for example, Binion's old secret penthouse suite. I wonder why it's secret. secret. Well, it was because you couldn't access it from the elevator. It is room 400, and the elevator only goes up to the third floor oh, really? so to get there you had to take a secret staircase and it was separate from every other room 
And that is where like celebrities and important people would stay okay, to so be separate. Opinions attracted celebrities. Oh yes. Okay, so yes. did the Rat Pack ever go there? Absolutely. Do you know? Okay, and I know Patsy that. What, what Klein, is it? Golden Nugget. Elvis. Golden Nugget's like right across the it street, is. isn't it? It is. Okay. But yeah, they all hung out at Binion's and then Golden Nugget. And so they would um, stay in room 400 to be away from the crowd. and okay. Secret access Secret only. access. So I saw a thing today where the woman said that they had put a lock on the door and it was supposed to be like all the other locks in all the other rooms because they just renovated in 2019. Yeah. And they put new like locks where you swipe your key card to get into the room. And every room works perfectly. But this particular room, they've had to change the lock eight times because every time they do, it won't work. It won't work like it, it physically does not operate or it it's not. just not. Is it key cards or yes, is it it's actual a key card. physical locks? It okay. is a key card where you like swipe your card onto those onto the square and it will not work. And they've had like dozens of people come in and there's nothing wrong with the lock. So they take it off and put it on another door. It works perfectly. But it will not work on room 400. Apparently, Binion's is not really big on allowing the paranormal investigation outside of maybe in the Apache Hotel itself. But they have allowed teams to come in and research the place. And one report that I've seen is that they were on the second floor at the old Jijun Asian restaurant when they saw the lower half of a man in black dress pants walk up to the glass. This guy's son, who was around the corner, saw only the upper half of a man walking. There was no one in the restaurant. They darted into the old kitchen area, but then what do you think they found? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I saw several accounts of security guards who said that there was supposed to be no one around, like the hotel was closed at the time. And they heard men and women arguing. They heard strange noises. And instead of like going to investigate, they just left because they're like, nope, there's nobody here. Not having it. Not doing that. Goodbye. So the Apache Hotel actually offers a paranormal kit that you can come and purchase and go through their hotel and try to pick up EVPs and see if you see anything paranormal. So we're hoping to do that while we're in Vegas. We are actually making two trips to Vegas this month. Uh, our first trip, we may not do this, but the second trip, we definitely like to. And we'll definitely give you an update yes. if we find anything interesting. I know that a lot of these casinos don't like audio and video recording, so we're not going to be able to take our main recorder with us on the first trip. But I feel like if they let us rent their equipment, that they would have no issues with us doing recording. So hopefully we'll be able to get something of interest to share on the uh, upcoming episode. I don't know when we'll do the second Vegas episode, but this being... We'll at least give a little update yeah. if we find anything interesting. And make sure to keep your eyes on our website because it's a live blog. We'll be blogging from there and posting pictures and updates as we find interesting things. As again, I told you earlier... You can find that at www.scarysavannahandbeyond.com or www.scarysavannah.net. And we're on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Look up the username at Scary Savannah. 
And if you would like to call us and leave us a voicemail, perhaps you have a story you'd like us to cover or you have any questions or maybe you want to give us a correction on something we might have gotten wrong. That's we're happy really to, possible. We're definitely happy to hear all your calls. And uh, if, you, if it's interesting, we may even share it on our show. So our phone number is 912-406-2899. Once again, you can call us at 912-406-2899. Now, I think what everybody's looking forward to hear from now, because I hear the dogs barking in the background, is uh, this week's segment of Layla and Coffee Talk. Well, Layla and Coffee have had a good week. They've been very well behaved. They've had uh, several treats. When we go to our local bar that we like to eat at a lot of times, um, our favorite waitress always gives us an extra cup of cheese. Beer cheese. Our dogs are humongous fans of beer cheese. Yes. So they have quite a stockpile in the fridge right now, probably four or five cups of (gasps) beer cheese. For my mom to give them while we're in Vegas, so that yes. should keep them happy. Yes, we call it pup cups. Well, they also have cheese. pup cups of ice cream, dog ice cream that we keep in the freezer. Yeah, and it's hilarious. It's like uh, I guess it's peanut butter flavored, it's small cup, sort of looks like what you'd get if you're as old as I am and you were in elementary school in the '80s. You'd get these little plastic cups of ice cream with a Except wooden. Except they spoon. don't need the wooden spoon. No, they would eat the wooden spoon. <laughs> yes, they would. Like they've already proven it. We've got well, these. Will. We've got these keto bars because we're both on the keto diet mostly and they uh have the wooden stick in it and uh, if you don't remember to throw it away coffee will find it and eat the stick and that's obviously not good for a dog because it's going to be loaded with splinters although i've seen her eat branches and bark and palm trees and stairs and bones that she shouldn't eat yeah she eats everything we so. try, but she's just too persistent. Yeah, And we'll update the site with some pictures of the dogs. I know everyone would like to see that. But once again, that'll wrap it up for us on this episode of Scary Savannah and Beyond. And please tune in next week. Next episode will drop on Sunday. Thank you so much. And Crystal? Join us next time in Savannah, where the ghosts and the good times live on.